You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith, episode 93. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years help hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk. Today, my guest is David Jennings from Systemology. Welcome, David. Hey, Kathy. Thank you for the invite. I've been looking forward to this podcast. Excellent. And today we're going to talk about what most system owners will never understand about scaling their business and being a, a solopreneur and then being going on to be an employer. I certainly know that scaling is really important and I'm sure my systems could do with a tweak. So let's have a chat about your favourite topic, David, systems. Yes, it's a big topic and it's one that a lot of business owners never end up mastering. I find one of the biggest reasons is it ends up being, it's almost like a blind spot for business owners because business owners, they're these big picture thinkers, they see a problem in the world, they think, oh, I'm going to build up a business that sells a product or a service to meet that demand and they have to move quickly and respond to clients and they're doing a little bit of everything, wearing all of the hats from sales to marketing to operations to finance, like the whole bit. Um, And then because of that and the way that they're designed and built, very rarely do they ever find time to do business systems and processes and they don't really enjoy it. They know they're important but because it's not something they enjoy, they never get to it. And it's, it's for that reason. That's actually what ends up keeping them trapped in the business. So I think that that's one of the reasons why business owners, a lot of them never actually master or fully understand systems and the real power and potential that they bring to a business. I think that's so true. And as creatives, a lot of us, we, we like to do all the fun stuff and systems and bookkeeping and that kind of thing is not fun for a lot of people. So I do think we do get trapped. And because then we're in that trap, we're in that sort of vicious cycle where we need the system to get out of it, but we don't know which system or how to use the system. Yes, exactly right. And there are a lot of misconceptions around business systems. People think that you're going to need hundreds of systems or that systems are going to remove the creativity. You mentioned about business owners being creatives and they are, like they create a business. I almost see them like an artist. And generally speaking, those type of people aren't drawn to systems. And they think that it's going to be time consuming or that they need to create the systems or their team won't follow the systems, even if they do end up documenting them. And a lot of them, these are almost like just misconceptions or things that they haven't fully tested. They've just come to the conclusion that, ah, because I'm not a systems person, I can't own a systems centered business. And that's a huge trap. And that's a big part of my mission is to get people to test that assumption and realize that there are easier ways to approach business systemization. And I agree, the business owner typically is the worst person in the the team to be doing the documents, creating the systems and the processes. So we need to create structures and a way of doing things that really empowers the team members to get that knowledge out of the head 
of the like a knowledgeable team worker and, and then get everybody sort of operating to a, a clear defined standard. And I think that's one thing to think about as well is that when you are doing systems to talk to your team members because they're the ones doing the job and even though you might have set the structure up in the beginning, they've probably refined it and if that area is their passion, they're going to be so much better at it than you anyway. And I generally find that the business owner is not only the worst person to set it, but they're the worst person to follow the systems as well. So can you give us a couple of tips on maybe how to go about looking at doing our first system? Yeah, the first, you touched on two real key points there. Um, And the first step, and it's this first step in systemology, actually, is to identify the top 10 to 15 systems that really are the core of the business and start there because it can be quite overwhelming when you think about systemizing a business. People often think when you think about a systemized business, you think of like McDonald's or some franchise and the first thing that comes to mind there is they have hundreds of systems and they've systemized every aspect of the business and then the business owner thinks, oh, well, that's what I need to do to create a systemized business. And that's overwhelming. And that's also not where they started. So McDonald's didn't start with having every aspect of the business systemized. They they started with a handful and then it built over time. So the real first step is to go, well, where do you start? What are the 10 to 15 systems? And uh, I have a process I like to call the critical client flow. And it's a way to map the customer and the business journey for the delivery of the core product or service. So you just get an A4 bit of paper and in the top left-hand corner, you write your target audience. Underneath that, think about what is the primary product or service that you would sell to that target audience that would be a great starting point to working with you. And then you just work down the page. It's an A4 page and you think, how do I get their attention? How do I handle an inquiry? What does my sales process look like? How do I follow up with them? How do I invoice them? How do I onboard them? And then how do I deliver and do some sort of handover to get them to come back? So if you map that out at a very high level, just using a handful of uh, boxes and a few words to explain each step, that's a really great way to explain how the business works at a very high level and identify the top 10 to 15 systems because it's all about thinking, how does the business make money? How do we document or or get a process for a way that the business makes money so that it can make money without any key person dependency, without the business owner, without any key team members to get a method down that we can then have people step in. So that's a great place to start because it It removes that myth that you're going to need hundreds of systems to have a big impact. Really, there's probably 10 to 15 systems in that exercise that I mentioned there. The next step after that is then you want to think um, who in the team has the knowledge. And this speaks to something you said a moment ago around the team members having some of the knowledge. And if you can identify, oh, Sally answers the phone when it comes in and she does great at qualifying them and then then feeding it through to the salesperson. Okay, well, now Sally is the person that you're going to try and extract the knowledge out of. Don't leave it on the shoulders of the busy business owner because it'll never get done if that's the case. We need to, even if it's not perfect, 
sometimes it's just best to go, well, what is what is the best version of what we're currently doing? Let's get that down and then get everybody to operate to that standard. Um, and th- these first couple of steps that they're working through, each one of them has been designed to overcome a misconception or a myth. So that, that next step, uh, which I, I call a sign, is addresses the myth that the business owner is going to need to be the one that documents all of it. Um, and, and without going through all um, the stages, without taking your breath and having you chime in, the next uh, step, I'll, I'll just say the last one, which is when you move into the extraction, which is then, okay, well, you've got clear on what the 10 to 15 systems are. You figured out who on the team has the knowledge. And then the next step is to make the extraction as easy as possible because the business owner and your your best team members, they're all busy so very rarely are they going to find time or get excited by the idea of writing out systems and processes. So there's two things you can do there. One, the, the biggest insight I had um, when it comes to extraction is understanding it's a two-person job. You've got the person who has the knowledge and then you've got the person who does the documentation. So if you know who knows how to do that thing, record them doing the thing and do it in a video or do it on your iPhone or just get them doing the live activity in the moment and record it. And then that gets handed off to someone else who does the documentation. That right there, breaking it into two makes it infinitely easier uh, and uh, at least gets you over the hurdle of, I don't have enough time because you're just recording yourself doing the task and someone else is doing the documenting. What a fabulous idea. And the other thing there is we don't remember what we actually do a lot of the times is when you try to ask somebody the exact steps, they do it off by heart. So they don't always remember the, okay, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. But if you've got it recorded and then you've got somebody else who maybe is unfamiliar or less familiar with that job doing the extraction, then they can see all those finer details that you may have glossed over if you're trying to explain to somebody. And I guess the other really good thing about doing that process and looking at your systems there is you can see where people are taking shortcuts or where the system might have actually broken down because the person that taught the person that taught the person has that little bad habit that now sneaks in or we've forgotten to do that really important stage. You see that a lot after something's been in process for quite some time that we start taking shortcuts and we're a bit busy so we we forget to tick that last box and suddenly we're missing three or four boxes. So even if you're not looking at systemising your business to possibly extract the owner or sell it, it's probably a really good housekeeping tool just to sharpen up your edges. 100%. And I remember... Uh, one of the clients, uh, when we were doing some systemology work, Jamie Lingham ran a company, Absolute Immigration. And what prompted him to reach out and look into systemology was he had two of his key staff members uh, take leave at the same time, and he ended up getting pulled back into the role. And he started going over the work that was being done and looked at a couple of um, the previous projects and had noticed he runs a, an immigration company. He'd noticed that uh, everybody had their own way of doing things. And from the outside, looking in from the client's perspective, the business felt like 
a different business if if you worked with them more than once. Like if you worked with them once and you had an experience and then you came back expecting that same experience next time, it was different because everybody was doing it their own way. And for him, that was the, oh, wow, I'm actually running three or four different businesses in the client's eyes because there's no consistent feeling. And that was enough to prompt him uh, to go, well, that's one of the reasons he wanted to get it down. And then also with the team members off, he wanted to be able to plug someone else in. Um, so he didn't have that key person dependency. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people systemize. They're definitely some of them. Um, oftentimes people are just, as a business owner, they're, they're working ridiculously long hours because they're the center cog uh, in the in their business. Um Sometimes I see people who want to sell. That's another reason that they might systemize. Uh, some people just want to grow and scale and become more profitable. There's a lot of reasons to systemize, and systems pretty much are at the the heart of all excellent growing companies. Like you, you can't get around that fact because all that a system is is a way of saying this is how we do it here. And to grow and scale, you need team members to to be able to say, this is how we do it here, to, to point new recruits and team members as they come on board to say, um, you know, this is how you get trained and this is how you get up to speed and this is the responsibilities and the expectations. And there's no way to do that in a consistent manner if it's just through knowledge transfer that someone's sitting down with them and trying to train them like you have to have some system or process perfect you hit a couple of really gold points there about um key person of um dependency because especially if you're that person and you want to take a holiday or you want to step out of the business to maybe do a side project or something you're not going to be able to do that if you've got that dependency on you and you only Another thing you said is about how companies are so much more valuable when it's not the business owner that's dependent. And I know yourself has experience with that when you were able to remove yourself and then eventually sell your business because it was no longer that the business all about Dave Jennings, it was actually a business within itself. And I think a lot of our small business owners think, well, there's no way I could ever sell my business because it is me. So their systems will actually help to stop that being just you. And then you were talking about team members, about being able to to bring other people in because I think that's another thing that people get really worried about is, oh, I couldn't possibly go on holidays because what if the manager's not working to capacity or or what if the, the VA doesn't know what they're supposed to do? But if you've got the, the systems that add the company name inverted commas, then you're going to eliminate a lot of those sort of stresses and problems. And I've seen it. Uh, hundreds of times before. There's one company that comes to mind, uh, Diggity Doggy Daycare, and it's a doggy daycare centre that we did some work with. And the lady, Jeanette, had been working in the business for about 13 years before she decided, right, it's time for me. I want to step out of this business. And she spent about the next sort of 12 to 18 months going through the systemology process, systemizing, And when it came time to sell, the person who bought it, uh, who paid a very high multiple of profits for the business, cited two things. She said they um, cited financial performance and they cited the systems. And that was the reason they bought it. It was a big um, multinational 
company based here in Australia. Um, and the the reason they bought it is they said, we see your store like a franchise prototype. You've pr- proven it to work. You've done all the documentation. This is a system that we can now roll out um, Australia-wide and then around the globe. So they purchased it for that reason. So when someone looks to acquire a business, they want to de-risk their opportunity. They they don't want to buy a business where if the business owner walks out the door, the business can't really survive. So having it operate to a point where someone else is either managing it or if it's fully documented, and uh, that's a way to increase significant value. Um, and you might not even be thinking that now. Like if you're the step before that, you're just thinking about how can I take a holiday and how can I feel confident that I can have a restful, relaxing holiday for the business owner. And and also I remember seeing this, um, you know, I was working with a solar company and one of the uh, staff members confided in me as we're going through the process of the extraction He said, I haven't had a proper holiday in three years because even when I go on holiday, the business owner still wants me to check in and keep an eye on things to move these leads forward because I'm the only one who knows how to do it. So he hadn't had a proper holiday as a staff member because the business owner hadn't got those sort of measures in place or even thought to work towards them. So from a staff member's perspective and business owner perspective, you need to get to a point where uh, someone else can keep things moving when someone has time off, whether they get hit by a bus, whether their family, something goes on, or they just need time out. Uh, it's, it's really important to work towards that. That's, I mean, that, that should be first and foremost. How do you make sure that you're not, your business isn't key person dependence, dependent? Otherwise, you can't make money if they're not there, and that's that's a horrible. Yes, place you to see be. that often where the business owner does depend on that one key person, especially when they buy a business that may not be their core skill, and then for whatever reason that business that person actually does take a holiday or leaves, um, then you're just left hanging. So it really is absolutely critical to get those systems in place. And I love the way that you said that McDonald's didn't start that way. Everybody looks at all of these things that have been done really, really well and then get overwhelmed because they just don't know where to start because, yeah, like you say, McDonald's didn't start that way. They started with a a few things. So I love your checklist about how to break it down and make sure that you're starting to actually think about what kind of systems that you might need and start with a few and not try to to build McDonald's all in one day. Yeah. And some homework for the listener would be uh, to hire the movie The Founder, which tells the Ray Kroc McDonald's story. And one of the very early scenes in that movie is they're they're on a, a basketball court and they've got some chalk and they're mapping out what the store looks like, where the fryers are going to go, where a thick shake machine is going to go, where they're going to put the hamburger fryer and all, all those sorts of things. They map it out first on this basketball court. And it was funny. I remember seeing that going, yes, that's how systems start. They start raw and they're evolving and you move things around and that's how McDonald's got started. So don't systemize like McDonald's is today if you want to build a systemized business, you systemize how McDonald's was 60 years ago 
and that's how they got started. You've used the critical client flow, which is the the method we talked about right at the start. Identify the top 10 to 15 systems um, on how the business actually makes money and focus on systemizing that. Find out where the knowledge is in the team and then make it a two-person job to extract that knowledge out of their head. And then the next step after that is you want to store that knowledge uh, and make it very easily accessible for the team. And the ideal scenario is to have a system and a process attached to whenever you're assigning a task. Or if, if you're saying to someone, hey, I need you to do this, and it's it's easy if you use some sort of project management platform. So if you use like a Asana or Podio or Basecamp or Teamwork PM or Trello, like there's tons of these project management platforms. But if you can build up your collection of how-to documents, these systems, and then when you're assigning a task, in the description for that task, you can put a link to the system. That that right there is where a lot of the magic starts to happen because you then create real clear accountability for your team saying, this is how we do things here. You're assigned to do it and it's due on this particular date. And that that's that next step. Um, then the step after that, uh, is the integrate stage. So systemology, it's the system for systemizing business and there are seven stages and I've just walked through um, the first four. The, the fifth stage is the integrate stage and that's getting the buy-in. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges because having the systems and the processes documented is one thing. Getting the team to follow them, that's another. And most of the resistance to that happens right up front it's with your existing team and the existing people you work with because they say, hey, we've always done it this way. Why do we need to change? Whereas when you compare that to a new team member, when they come on board, if you've got systems and processes and they're trained from day one to say, hey, this is how we do things here, then the resistance is low. It, there is no resistance because it's all they've ever known. The, the resistance really does come from the existing team. So you have to think about... How do you plan to address that when you're introducing systems and processes? And a big part of it is helping the team member to see the benefit of the business systems to them individually, not to the business. Systemizing is not just about making the business owner rich and scaling and it's it's about making the team efficient. It's about making it more enjoyable to work, getting clear expectations and outlining how the team member can win for the business and how they can exceed in their role. It's about having team members being able to take time off, uh, like at the my solar example earlier, and not have to stress if their job is going to get done and, you know, they'll take one week off, but then if they come back, they might have to spend the next month trying to catch up on all of the work that hadn't been done when they had their week off. So that's another reason or a benefit for the team member. Or maybe the team member wants to move up the ranks in the organisation. And if you can let them know that by systemising and delegating parts of their responsibility to lower cost team members, well, that makes them more valuable now. They can take on higher level, uh, more important tasks. So it actually makes them more valuable. So uh, the a big part of this step, stage number five, is thinking in terms of 
the individual and what the benefits are to them and helping them to see how systemizing makes their life better. Um, I know it's easier said than done, but uh, that's that's a big part of actually making this work. That's great advice. And I like the idea of getting the team members buy-in. So if you can make it so that they can see the benefit to themselves, then that's huge. And like everything, of course, it's no point putting this all onto a, a piece of paper and then it just becoming another dust collector. So using Trello or Asana, which have free versions, if you haven't already got some sort of project management system, is yeah a really great place to start. And like everything, I guess it's just start and you can always adjust and modify them as you go along. Now, you've made two references to systemology. So tell our audience what systemology is. Yes. So Systemology is a book that I've uh, recently launched with, which basically documents my process for systemizing a business. So it's a seven-step process that a business owner can follow that takes them from, I don't have any systems in place to, I've got like a functioning operations set of systems. Like I I know the basic systems that keep the business moving. So the the book, I mean, you can get it on Amazon. It's only a few dollars on the Kindle, or if you want to get the hardcover, it's a little bit more. I've also got the audio book and it's getting some really great reviews. I had the, the forward written by a gentleman called Michael Gerber, who wrote a book called The E-Myth for um, a lot of people in business. It's it's quite a well-known topic. And Michael in all of his work, he focused on building the case for business systems. And uh, I think a lot of people, they read the e-myth and they go, oh, I want to do this. Or maybe they read Traction or Scaling Up or Built to Sell. There's a lot of really good books that build the case for business systems. And what systemology is and how it's different is it's the how-to guide. So it's okay, now we agree that business systems are important and that if you've got to do it, where do I get started? What are the first few? How do I get team member buy-in? Some of the later stages, we've covered the first five at a high level. Step number six is then the scale stage. It's about identifying what are the other systems that you're going to need to scale your business. So the critical client flow is a good place to start, but then as you grow, you're going to need HR systems so that you can find new team members and onboard them and manage them. You're going to need some finance systems to make sure you're across the numbers and you're meeting all of your obligations. You're going to need some management systems. So the scale stage is all about identifying, you know, it's the 80-20. How do you identify the 20% of the systems in each of these other departments that deliver the 80% of the result? So that way you've got something to focus on and, and document. And then the final stage in systemology is the optimize phase. I very consciously and deliberately left optimize till the last stage because a lot of people, they try and re-engineer systems as they go and that becomes a hurdle or a reason they don't get it done because they're kind of trying to make it just right or just perfect. So a big premise of systemology is just capture the best practice of what you're currently doing. Don't try and improve it just yet. Get everything else, like get a baseline and get everybody up to that baseline. And then the final stage of systemology is optimizing. Then you get a dashboard in place and you look at your numbers and then you start to go, oh, I don't have enough sales coming in. Okay, well, I need to look at 
re-engineering my lead generation systems or, hey, I, I do a poor job at selling. I've, I've, can't seem to convert properly. Okay, well, that's a sales conversion problem. So what are you saying when you're on the phone? Or maybe you're getting problem clients and they're following you up and saying, where's my work? And they're just frustrating to deal with. And I'd say, okay, well, maybe your client onboarding systems aren't up to speed. You're not setting the right expectations. So once you get to that final stage, it's really about listening to your business and understanding all problems within business can always be related back to the systems level. So if you've got a a business problem, you've actually got a systems problem. So you want to go back to, do I have a system documented or is it trapped in someone's head? How do we get a way of doing things? And then how do we work on that way of doing things? And that's, I mean, at a very high level, that's the whole systemology process. Those seven stages, it's defined assign, extract, organize, integrate, scale, and then optimize. And if you go through those in a linear order, you'll find that uh, systemizing becomes infinitely easier because you've got a clear roadmap. Well, that is absolutely wonderful. So we can get your book, Systemology, from Amazon, which we'll drop in the show links. If somebody would like to reach out and know more about you, David, where should they be looking? Yeah, best place just to head to systemology.com. If you go to systemology.com forward slash book, it'll have all the links. The the book's a great place to start. In the footer on that page as well, you'll find links to all of my socials. So if you want to ask a question on Twitter or LinkedIn, be happy to connect. And at the very least, I'll, I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. Fabulous. So at this stage of the podcast, we do five final questions. So are you game, David? Yes, let's do it. What's the best advice given to you by a mentor? Best advice given by a mentor would be do more than is expected of you. Okay. I believe that was Jim Rohn. And there's a lot of Jim Rohn advice. Like he was one of the those early motivational speakers. And I remember listening to many uh, tapes and recordings from him yeah a lot, a lot of what he's said kind of sticks in my head that that's one I mean you're, you're rewarded for the value that you bring to the marketplace so if you do more than is what is expected um, that's how you get rewarded fantastic what is the biggest help that you've received since starting your business the biggest help um, I try and look for the silver lining in things and uh, I actually think it's not been this for everybody, but it has been for me. COVID has been a blessing in disguise because it's really got everybody to start thinking more about their systems and the strength of their business. The whole pandemic has accelerated change and the need for business systems and people to relook at the way they're doing business. Like people are working virtually now. They're, they're working from home. They're working from virtual offices and systems have never been more important as a result. Yes. And I think especially with the technology and the working from home, it's lost the stigma. Of course, home-based businesses used to mean that you were small, whereas these days we have very, very large businesses working from multiple homes. So I think the pandemic has certainly changed a lot of people in some definitely very good ways. So like silver lining is a a really good thing. What is your one non-negotiable, something that you have to do every day? The one non-negotiable would be 
we we have family dinner. I don't know if that counts. I, I think with the kids, I've got two young kids, and we always sit down at the table and share a meal together. Fantastic. What is your favourite business book and why? Favourite business book? Uh, there's probably, it's a hard one to say favourite. Um, it's either, got probably one of two, and I know this is audio, so you might not be able to see me reaching over and grabbing the books, but the, the two I would suggest. One is Traction by Gino Wickman. I love this book because it gives an excellent framework for some of the like the operating system for a business it's it's really good and the other one's obviously the e-myth michael's work has impacted so many people around the world and the e-myth is a great place to start if you're thinking about business systems and then once you sold on the idea then systemology but uh yeah attraction e-myth and systemology fantastic i normally tell authors that they can't say their own so you stuck that in beautifully so well done david And what did you wish that you had known when you started out? I wish I had known that knowing how to do the core service within a business can actually hold you back from growing the business. If you own a lawn mowing business and you know how to cut the lawns, it's too easy for you to just cut the lawns and then that traps you and you don't become a business owner because it's very different skills required to grow a business than to work in a job and then, you know, do the product or service. So a lot of times people think, oh, you know, if, if they were a hairdresser, oh, because I can cut hair, I can then, I can run a hairdressing business. But the the thing is, there are very different skills required to run the business side of things. And I think if this is, you know, if you've run a business before, an interesting experiment would be the next business that you run to not be able to deliver the product or the service yourself and grow the business from day one without you doing the thing. So I kind of wish I knew that first because it's so important yeah, to build the business to be able to deliver the core product or service without the business owner. Yes, and I think that's where people get sort of a bit stuck, isn't it? They think, well, I'm a fantastic carpenter or hairdresser or graphic designer or whatever your your skill is, so therefore I'm going to be a wonderful business owner. And then you actually get stuck doing the thing because you, you can't trust the, anybody else or nobody could do it as well as me. So, yeah, having your systems in place will actually help you to extract yourself from your business. And I love James Shremko's thing about working less, making more. So if you can get your systems in place where you don't have to actually be doing the thing, then you'll probably have a much better life for a lot of people. 100%. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And that sounds like a wonderful note to end it on. So really appreciate your time, David. Looking forward to finishing reading Systemology. I must admit I have start, but I'm not a systems girl. So I I must really push myself because, yes, extracting myself out of doing the thing a lot more would um, make my team's life a lot easier. Um, I know uh, you're a bit of an audio person as well. So we did just recently launch the Systemology book as an Audible. So that might be another way you can check it out if you prefer the audio. Perfect. I do do a lot of traveling and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so audio books would be definitely the way to go. So thank you very much for your time, David. Perfect. Thanks, Kathy. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads.
for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.